Thank you, uh, Chairman, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it's my, my great pleasure to uh, review these three abstracts uh, for the meeting. These are my disclosures. Um, and thanks also to the uh, presenters for sharing their slides with me in advance of uh, today's meeting. Um, the ESMO guidelines, uh, in many respects, in encapsulate the challenges of treating patients with colorectal cancer. Um, so, for example, not all the patients are the same. I mean, we have a, a situation where um, we may decide that, that best supportive care is the appropriate option. Uh, we may decide that, that, that patients need maximal uh, chemotherapy try, to try and downsize, downstage the tumor for surgery. Um, we may also uh, feel that these are patients who are suitable for chemotherapy but probably wouldn't tolerate more intensive treatments. Or maybe it's a patient decision. They don't want to have uh, combination therapy. They don't want to lose their hair. They don't want to have neuropathy. The uh, Pan-Asian uh, uh, updated version of the ESMO guidelines also essentially uh, review the same options for patients, but include uh, the uh, recommendation that, for example, left-sided tumors uh, should be preferentially treated with uh, an EGFR inhibitor, uh, and that right-sided tumors should receive a doublet or a triplet uh, uh, with uh, an anti-angiogenic drug. Interestingly, and, and this is where the third presentation is relevant. There's no recommendation for a triplet plus an EGFR inhibitor in left-sided tumors because those data don't really exist. In a way, um, um, Eric's paper is, is uh, the most, is the easiest to interpret. This drug, uh, trifluoridine uh, tapiracil, I mean, it's not, it's a 5F, it has a 5FU-like effects, but it is a different drug. Um, it's a nucleoside analogue which inhibits uh, thymidylate synthase, but also gets incorporated into DNA, and is combined with a, a, a thymidine phosphorylase inhibitor that, that prevents degradation of the drug. So there are key uh, differences here. And we actually know from colorectal cancer, refractory disease, that it prolongs survival. It may be a very modest impact, but these are in patients who are 5-FU resistant. And also yesterday we learned uh, that, that this drug is also, for example, active in 5-FU resistant uh, upper GI cancer. So one of the questions that this study was posing is what's the role for this agent in early disease? And um, Eric mentioned the trial that, that we uh, conducted uh, in, in, and published in 2013. A very straightforward study. Patients over the age of 70, not deemed uh, suitable for double uh, or uh, doublet therapy. And we showed that in this study, adding bevacizumab to Cape Cite had been improved progression-free survival. And actually, this is a treatment that, that we use. Not that many patients but a fair, fair number of patients, and you, they derive benefit, it's well tolerated. The TASCO study had, had similar design, but didn't have age as one of the cutoffs, but was generally, I think, looking at a similar patient population. Nicely designed, simple, a simple question, 
you know, what's the addition of bevacizumab to, 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 to trifluoridine within this clinical context? The primary endpoint was progression-free survival. Uh, and as you learned, uh, the progression-free survival was nearly significant, but not quite. Um, and that's probably because it was a randomized phase two with, with relatively small numbers. And again, across all of the groups, uh, there was a benefit from uh, uh, this, from the, from the uh, uh, trifluoridine uh, uh, combination. Interestingly, in the uh, multivariate analysis, uh, the uh, treatment effect for PFS was in fact significant, um, but this is part of a multiple analyses uh, uh, and, and serves as, a, I think, a strong indicator uh, that um, uh, this drug, this combination is effective. And of course, as you heard, there's a difference in the pattern of toxicity between uh, trifluoridine and capecitabine. Notably, trifluoridine suppresses the bone marrow. Uh, notably, capecitabine uh, affects uh, uh, the skin and causes plantar palmar erythema. So it's a choice here between differences in toxicity. So in conclusion, I'd say that uh, in this particular study, um, trifluoridine tipiracil appears to a promising alternative first-line treatment to capecitin bevacizumab in patients unsuitable for doublet therapy. And a confirmatory uh, phase three study would be desirable and would give us a better uh, idea of, of whether this, this, this regimen is, is an improvement over capecitin and bevacizumab or, or is similar. And moving on to the charter trial, uh, the background to this is that chemotherapy doublets uh, have been compared to chemotherapy triplets, uh, most notably in the TRIBE study published in NEGEM, showing a, a, a significant survival advantage. But other uh, supportive studies, Olivia, uh, the STEAM trial, which is actually a sequential study, uh, Folfox series, then compared to Folfox Folfiri sequentially, changed every four weeks in Folfox Bevacizumab both showing that, that the trend is always the same and the triplet does do better. Uh, the quantum uh, varies between trials and the p-value varies because of the number of patients randomized. The charter trial um, is, a, is another example of a study evaluating doublet versus triplet. Just to remind you, uh, across the TRIBE trial, one of the most interesting subgroups was indeed uh, uh, the, 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 the BRAF uh, uh, cohort, where the survival was improved, albeit not significantly improved, because of the numbers of patients. But uh, so much so that if those of you who are at uh, Dr. Artrea's uh, uh, review yesterday, an excellent review, in which she was recommending a triplet where uh, uh, possible combined with uh, an antiangiogenic drug in patients with uh, uh, BRAF mutant tumors. So just moving on to charter, the, uh, the primary endpoint uh, was a slightly unusual one, I would say. Uh, this was uh, taking progression-free survival at nine months. That's one point in time. And the secondary endpoints were the more conventional response rate, PFS, and overall survival. And I think if we look here, um, the, the primary endpoint at nine months was met, uh, but the PFS and the overall survival uh, was not met, uh, was, sorry, was not significantly in favor of the triplet. 
Uh, you heard that the, the largest subgroup of patients with synchronous metastasis seem to benefit more than the patients with metachronous disease, perhaps once again reflecting an aggressive clinical course. The triplet in this case did not improve outcome in the BRAF mutant patients, but there were 13 patients in the trial. So we know that there's too much heterogeneity to, to come up with a robust uh, analysis there. But uh, I think that, 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 that um, this, this, this small subset, synchronous with no resection of the primary tumor, this is again a biologically aggressive group of patients, uh, and, and they did seem to benefit from the triplet. So I think that the charter trial, we, we show that there was no significant improvement in overall PPFS or survival, but the trial was underpowered to show that, but the trends were, were, were certainly there. And the subgroup analysis showed a benefit in the, the patients with, where there might be a more aggressive clinical behavior. And then moving finally on to the uh, Volfi trial. Uh, so this was a, a randomized phase two where uh, the objective response rate was the primary endpoint and uh, uh, PFS, survival, disease control, etc., were secondary endpoints. And the novel aspect to this trial, as you've heard, is this is the combining uh, a triplet with an EGFR inhibitor. And uh, you can see here that the primary endpoint was met, a higher response rate in, in the uh, uh, patients randomized to the uh, triplet uh, plus uh, uh, the EGFR inhibitor. And this was seen according to tumor-sidedness and according to genotype, but really these are very small subgroups where I think you can, you can literally overanalyze subgroups in these sort of trials. I mean, I was particularly interested in that BRAF uh, subset where uh, you had this dramatic increase in response rate but actually contrasting uh, uh, with uh, Professor Small's study, the response rate here in the control arm was extremely low. It's only uh, 20%. And, and that, again, it may just reflect small numbers of patients. PFS uh, and survival uh, were otherwise equivalent. But uh, I did note that the uh, level of grade 3, 4 diarrhea was substantially increased from 12 to 25%. And as you might expect, there was a great deal more toxicity. Secondary resection rates were higher with the uh, triplet plus panitumumab, uh, but not significantly so. So I think that when we look at the uh, 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 Volfi trial, um, you can see that, that we can definitely say that if you add uh, panitumumab to uh, a triplet regimen, you increase response rates. Uh, the impact on secondary resection rates was quite notable, uh, although not significant. It got very close to it. And I think that from a clinical point of view, this is really very interesting. Uh, the response rate in BRAF uh, muted tumors was also interesting, albeit that, that the response rate in the control arm uh, uh, was, was um, exceptionally low. And there's insufficient uh, uh, data here to draw conclusions about sidedness. I think that, you know, there's the opportunity here to do a meta-analysis of doublets versus triplets, taking all that pool data together. Um, and these studies very much underline the need 
that, that prospective trials need to be designed and adequately powered to, to analyze the impact of treatments on the clinical and molecular subtypes that we now look at within our clinical practice. And this will better inform us in the future how to manage these patients. Thank you very much.